This is a parental guidance moment. Welcome back to the Sunday service. It's the home of the Hostel Gospel. It's the world's shittest podcast, baby. And we're back once again for another week. Sorry, I've been I've been absent. I've been absent. So uh, the sun was in my eyes, let's just say that much. But today I've got a very special guest, uh, Mr. David Brooks. How are you, Cobber? How you doing, mate? Uh, my name's actually uh, Dave Brooks Bank, but uh, when I'm announced, I actually it's you abbreviate it. Well, yeah, it's 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 e- it's easier for people. Dave Brooks, and it's like I remember I was announced once somewhere, and the guy took about five goes to pronounce my name, and I was just like, I just <laughs> I can't be bothered with this shit. Anyone can see Dave Brooks, and it's like right, okay, nice and easy to <laughs> yeah, remember. Yeah, exactly. Um, welcome to the pod, mate. We, uh, we do a beer breakdown every episode, but you've informed me that you don't drink beverages, so I'm just going to have to hold it down for the boys and be uh, a bit of a piss wreck by myself. So without further ado, let's get into this. Do you know this sultry tune? Uh, I've heard it, yeah. <laughs> this is uh, an iconic, iconic song. So that's uh, that's the VB theme song for uh, Victoria Bitter. Okay. And what we're drinking today is the Capital Brewing Co. Limited Release, the Brew Zealand Hazy Double IPA, which is an eight point five standard drink. Uh, how many? Eight point five percent. How many standard drinks? Does it sound in the back? Is it two point six? Uh, yeah, it's two point six. Yeah. Dave is just having a quick gander. Yeah, I'm at just the, having uh, a quick look at it. You know, that's. Uh what does it taste like, man? I got to admit, this—I uh, like the way they've put together the design on the can. It—it—it—it it, it, it almost doesn't look like a beer. It looks like the kind of thing that a twelve-year-old could persuade his <laughs> mum to actually buy for him. You know, I—I I, almost, 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 yeah. Almost. So, so to describe the can, there's uh, there's two little uh, cartoon characters on there. What is it? A kiwi, a couple of kiwi birds. Yeah, I mean, uh, they've got a little chili bun. How does it taste, dude? It tastes pretty fucking decent. Um, when I first bought this, I I panicked, bought a case because they. Uh, I used to work at Capital Brewing Co. and they released a beer collab with a company called Mountain Culture, and it was the fucking tastiest brew ever. And then when I saw that this was a special release, I was like, "Fuck!" Like, do I buy? If I buy two four packs, then I might regret not buying a a, a whole case. So I bought a whole case. And uh, the first one, I was like, oh, it's all right. But the more I've had them, the more I'm like, oh, these actually do go pretty hard. So It's like an Austin Powers movie. It fucking grows on you. It grows it's on you. Like, that's, <laughs> that's like, you know, that's, it's like a kind of shady bacteria. It, it grows on you over time <laughs> and then you're like... Are you talking about staph infection, Dave? Well, I'm talking about ringworm, actually. <laughs> but yeah, staph infections... Uh <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> the, one of the reasons I wanted to get you in, you're a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. I love my uh, mixed martial arts. So uh, I wanted to, Dave, you've also started doing comedy as well. So I wanted to talk a little bit about BJJ, your journey, and then transitioning into starting comedy and all that stuff. So when did you start BJJ? Well, I mean, it's it's a it's a long story, but basically I didn't do any physical activity at all, basically, until I was like 18. And then I started lifting weights. 
then the gym that I was at closed down and I was just completely at a loose end of what to do. So I just ended up going to this Kung Fu school. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's, it's really, and I, I still talk to the guys all the time that I started out with 20 years ago. And then they were doing grappling because there was nothing in the UK at that time. I think there was a, there was a guy that was a brown belt uh, that was about two hours away. And I just started there at this club. And it was really funny because I had no idea how bad I was. I was like, you know, started to win against people that had never trained. And of course, thought that I was uh, <laughs> thought, doing all right. Thought I was really good. <laughs> and I look back and you're just like, oh my God, face palm. <laughs> like, what the? And, um, but it, it's been a, an amazing journey for me. And it's just something that's just grown over time. And then you gradually, kind of before I know it, knew it, I was training every day. I'd gone from being someone that. The, the largest amount of exercise I would do would be to go from the couch to the fridge. It went that I was training every day and um, completely changed my whole life, my whole lifestyle. It's been, martial arts has been the biggest gift to me ever. It's given me so much. Yeah. Um, Whereabouts so. in the UK are you from? I'm from a town called Reading, which is about 40 miles west of London. It's famous for the Reading Festival, and literally that's it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's an interesting place. What kind of festival is the Reading Festival? Is it, it like a music festival? Yeah, or? it's a music festival. Yeah. It's like Reading, the best way I can describe it, it desperately wants to be London, but it's not. It's outside of London, so it's like it's for people that aren't like bright enough to make it in London. They kind of like seem to drift out towards Reading, you know, along the Thames. Yeah. Which is the river that goes through. But it's it's a, it's it's an interesting place. Um and that's where you started BJJ as yeah, well. That's where I started. Uh, well, that's where I started grappling. You know, yeah. I like because you, so you get generally well, it's it's kind of different then, but you get in those days it was just you got gi and no gi. And most people were doing no gi because they wanted to do um, MMA. That was the, that was the progression. You, you did a bit of grappling, and then you got into doing MMA, which is what I was doing. And it was only later that I actually put on a gi, which is the uh, the pajamas. Yeah. And started uh, and started training, and then um, I trained with a number of other people, and and uh, there was a guy called. Uh, so I started off with a guy called Ross Whitby. And he was the, the Kung Fu guy. And I still talk to him all, all the time. L lovely dude. And uh, then I trained with another guy, a fighter, who was a really good fighter, uh, called uh, Gaz Roriston. And he, he's one of those guys who should have done very, very well. Like, there's a lot of guys like this. But he's one of those guys where you're like, he was really, really good. Yeah. And he, for a number of reasons, his opportunity never came. He fought a lot of times and, you know, he, he had some notable wins, but it just, for some reason, it just didn't happen for him. And, um, which is a great shame, but, you know, he then evolved past it and developed other interests and he's now a, you know, bounty hunter that hunts down um, Holy uh, fuck. poachers in uh, in uh, in Africa now I mean I mean this guy is this guy is <laughs> out there this is one of the things that I always say to people is that in martial arts you meet some of the most interesting crazy people that it's a bit like comedy you meet some yeah. fucking you meet some absolute <laughs> lunatics <laughs> just, just, you're like what the fuck yeah. is this cunt exactly yeah and uh, and you know so to Gaz uh, if you hear this man uh, you're <laughs> you're a freaking legend man and I love you you're, you're nuts though um 
And then there was my, the guy that would become my, one of my, uh, like one of my major coaches. Uh, he's the guy that gave me my black belt, a guy called D Daniel Sainty. And, and he's another guy who was on another level, like seriously, one of the very best I've ever rolled with. And I've rolled with some like world champion level guys, trained with them. And it just wasn't important enough to him to compete. You know, a lot of guys, they want to show everyone yeah. how good they are. It, I honestly don't think it was that important to him. You know, it was just like he was as good as he was and that was it for him. You know, it's, uh, I, I honestly, I mean, I get it now, now I'm a bit older, but when I was like 25, 26, I'm like, man, you want to be the man and show everyone. And Dan's like, I know I'm the man. That's that's it for me, and that's yeah. a very evolved way of looking at things. But anyway, it's uh, yeah, and you know, I still talk to him all the time. And um, so, what year? What year was this that you started training there? I started well. I started training in the UK yeah. in two thousand and one. Okay, fuck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Long time ago, tadpole time for a lot of people that you know that I know now, and. Uh, and then I, uh, I trained, went to uni. I, I studied physio at uni, and then I decided partway through because I went over to Australia for a year and uh, to train with my coach over here. And then I decided that I'm not going to be a physio. I want to be a jiu-jitsu bum. So, you know, I finished my degree and then came over here. At least you finished your degree. Well, yeah, that was... I mean, in, in <laughs> Was fact, that influence from the parents? Well... <sighs> Yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> it was me knowing that out of respect for my parents, I had to finish it. Yeah. <laughs> and also the bit that there will be hell to pay if I just quit. I, in my heart of hearts, a big part of me wishes I had yeah. just left because I didn't want to be... I did it and I got through it and that's cool, but I didn't... <laughs> I didn't want to be here. I wanted to leave. Yeah. I was spirit, like mentally, I was already over here, and I, and I came back, and you know, it, it, it. So, do you have siblings or anything? I have a brother. brother. I've got a brother. Yeah, he uh, he's uh, he's a he's a he works in the UK. He's uh, now training. He's got his normal job, and he's now training to be a psychotherapist, which is very cool. Yeah, something he really is. is uh, does he is does he roll as well or train? My brother is the absolute polar opposite of me. <laughs> I I honestly, yeah, he's very very different than me. Um, I I can't imagine him raising his his fists in anger against anybody. Ever. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, it's kind of like me and my siblings. That my, right. my my brother will crack you. Like I'll prove it. Like, dude, just want to chill and get a beer, man. Do you want to join? You want to fucking just hang out? Want to talk about your problems, dude? No, you my don't. brother's a punch first, ask questions kind of later. Well, I, mean, but I think that's older brother mentality. Are you older than him? Yeah, I'm older than him. But I I don't on it. I mean, I don't know if that's. If that's influence, I, I don't know if the older brother. I mean, you got to. If you met us, you'd you'd, you'd realize we're wired completely differently. It's not like I beat him down over time. He's actually bigger than me now. Yeah. <laughs> He's a big kid, but uh, yeah, it's um. So to quickly get back to when you said that you didn't do any exercise up until about eighteen. Yeah. So what what influenced you to start going to the gym? Like, were you overweight or something? Or I, wasn't, I was not. Uh, it, it's really funny. I just kind of drifted into it. It's not like there was a aha moment, you know, where yeah. you're like, right, okay, now I'm going to now I'm going to start training. It was like I just started kind of doing it without really realizing it. And um the it, it, the funny thing was is that um my um my my father may may 
rest in peace, who, who actually died during the, the COVID pandemic. He, um, I was going through all the family albums when I went back and uh, we went to the Millennium Dome as a family back in 2000. Yeah, in 2000, we went to the Millennium Dome and uh, I was like looking through the pictures and I was like, okay, there's, there's mum and uh, there's dad and there's my brother and there's my brother's friend and who is that? Oh my God, that's me. And it's like you can just see this figure with a bloated face and it just like looks... You can see there's the vague bone structural outline of me in the face, but it is a different person. Yeah. And then there's another picture of like a year later after I'd had like eight, nine months of training. And then it looks like a young, good looking version of me now. Yeah. But that guy from mid 2000, it was like, you know, 10, ki- 10 kilos heavier. And it just, it was a, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was just, a, it was, a, an, um, I was lucky. I think I caught it just in time. I think a lot of young kids like around that age start going to the gym anyway. Cause like when you start, when you first kind of start going out drinking and shit, there's a lot of fucking fit people around and I don't know, you're young and impressionable. You pretty much want to pick up chicks and you're like, all right, can't go out there with a soft dad bod and just try spit some game to some birds. So you get into the gym and you try get in better shape. So I think you're being a bit kind to me there. The thing is, I was always notorious for just not really being aware of what was going on. If there's someone who was spaced out, head in the clouds, didn't know what was going on, that was me. And it was more the fact of I just drifted into it. But yeah, you are right. I did realise as soon as I started doing a few things, I was like, ah... There's perks to all this suffering and shit. Like, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're, I mean, I've, I've never been jacked, but if you're freaking jacked, I was like, yeah, this, uh, <laughs> it feels better. It definitely has, <laughs> definitely has its fucking perks. Not that I'm jacked by any fucking means. Oh, um, join the club. Man. So when did you, what year did you decide to move to Australia? So you finished your uni and well, then you so decided to move to. So I started my course in, in 2005. Yeah. And in 2006, I went to Thailand and that's where I like, and I went to Tiger Muay Thai and yeah, Thai, cool. that, that's a huge camp now. At the time it was tiny. Yeah. And I met the guy that would become my coach there. And, uh, and then I got on like a house on fire with him. Also, I thought he couldn't stand me at the time, but uh, he was like this young fucking arrogant kid that doesn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, and, um, but he was like, if you really want to do this, he said, then he said, I'm going back to Australia. He said, come to Australia. And, you know, I never really had an interest in going to Australia, but I did. Uh, like, I was like, okay, I'll go. So I went over, you know, I, you know, my mum and dad very generously uh, gave me some cash and I came over to Australia for 10 weeks and I, Loved it. Yeah. I was going to say, it's very bizarre for a, for a geezer not to want to come here. If I go to the eastern suburbs, there's fucking palms everywhere. <laughs> so exactly. Every, yeah. every young palm wants to come out this but it, way. But it's a, big, it's a big jump. And some people, the guys you're seeing are the 10% that come out here. Yeah. 90% never will because it's like easier to get a job, get into the grind. And it's like the guys that come out here are the crazies normally and good yeah. for them too. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the same like when you see the Aussie Aussie kids travelling. I went to the UK in 2012. Awesome. And, uh, was that during the Olympics? Were you there during the yeah, Olympics? Yeah, which is like I wasn't going there for the Olympics. It would just, it worked out that like I was like 20 and I was like, I could just go to, the, I can go to London. Like why wouldn't I just go to London? Bet that was a great time to go, man. I always wanted to go to the UK. And um, it's something about like English pubs and just like, I love like some of the, uh, like I loved the rude boy accent. I didn't know that rude boys were such fuckwits, <laughs> but I love that. Oh, you fuck. <laughs> what are you staring at there, pussy? Oh, 
Oh, fucking murky. You look at me the wrong way. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love that accent. That is like, a terrible, terrible <laughs> accent. I'm going to just put that out there. That is the it's, worst. It's, it's not UK approved. <laughs> it's like, what are you saying? What are you looking at, mate? Hey, your mum. And it's like, that was the thing in England when I was growing up. Someone would be talking to you and they'd go, your mum. And that's uh, it. It's on. <laughs> yeah. A classic, a classic like fucking adolescent callback is, uh, is the mum. Oh, yeah. yeah, I went there in 2012, had no idea, like... I knew that the Olympics were on, but I didn't think that that would be as fucking big as what it was. I think just you were in London, I take it. Yeah, just young and naive. So I went there. And what part of London were you in? Is it French's <laughs> Forest? Is is that the? What, 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 there's there's one part of London that's notorious for the for, for being full of Aussies. Um, dude, I oh, fuck. I can't remember the. F- I stayed with one of my brother's mates for like the first few days, and mm-hmm. then I think they were just like. You need to get out of here, man. <laughs> and I was like, yep, all right. That makes sense. So I left. Um, and I ended up getting a house in a place, I think, called South Woodford. So, like, way out in the sticks. Okay. Like, oh, yeah. I think, like, Zone 5 or something. Okay. Yeah, that's a fair... Were you in... Like, a, what yeah. part... Or, 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 did you, were you north, west? North. Okay, so you are going towards Essex. Then. Is, is that where Essex is? Were you in Essex? I'd have no idea, man. Okay. All I, all I remember is that the suburb name was, was uh, South Woodford, I'm pretty sure. Um, but dude, it was so fucking hard to find a job there because everyone obviously wanted to work in pubs and they had all these like influx of tourists that came over. So it was just a fucking nightmare. I stayed there for about a month. I took, I took some cash over, couldn't get a job, stayed there for a month. And then I, uh, went to Middlesbrough with a friend because he has family in the Burra. Ah, smoggies. So we went, so we went up there. Middlesbrough. Yeah. (laughs) And the funniest thing about, the funniest thing about the Burra is like they always they say like our dad. So if they're talking about their personal dad, they'll be like, Oh yeah, you've got to come to the pub and meet our dad. And I'm like, fuck, what are you talking about, yeah, cut? Our dad. It's a very northern expression. Yeah. yeah. Our dad. Yeah. Our and I'm dad, like, how the fuck did how did is it because no one knows who their dad is, so they all just share a dad <laughs> in the north? I don't know what's going on. Oh God, yeah. Then, well, yeah. I've got a bit in my comedy routine about the northerners yeah, about the, being very different. Yeah, yeah. that's like when it's the moment you brought that joke up, I was like, oh fuck, I'll need to tell him the story about going going to Middlesbrough because I went to uni in Sheffield. Okay, which is like uh, I think uh, Sheffield's just a bit south of of, of Middlesbrough because you've got you've got Middlesbrough that are the Smoggies. They're called the Smoggies. And then you've got the... Uh, Why up, do they call them the smoggies? Because you get smog. Yeah. In, it's an industrial city. And um, you get the... Uh, so you've got the smoggies. And then up from there, you've got the Mackhams that are from Sunderland. And then you've got the Geordies that are from... Um, yeah, you, you're looking at me with this confused expression, I, which is like, oh, where's this I've, going? I've heard of the... I've, I've seen, like, obviously there's the Geordie Shore. Oh, we so, yeah, man. <laughs> so, so everyone knows... So I know who the Geordies are. What are the guys from Sunderland called again? The Mackhams. The Mackhams. Mackham. Where does that come from? I, I'm not quite sure. But it was like... I remember I went to uni with this, uh, with this Geordie guy, and he spent literally about an hour and a half telling me just how shit Sunderland was. And he was like, hey, man, you know, I'm going to... Bu- Butcher his accent, but, you know, sue me. I was like, hey, man, he says, they haven't even got a cinema. A cinema, Dave. He said, <laughs> why would you want to go to a place with a ci- without a cinema? And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I, 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 I have no idea, James. Why would you? Ah, oh, man, you know, they're fucking animals there, you know? Like, I'm like, 
Aren't they really similar to Geordie's? Oh, no, no, no. Geordie's are different, Dave. You know, don't, don't We've got be cinemas. going there. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a cinema, Dave. Yeah. We've got a bowling alley, too. Yeah, bowling alley, and our <laughs> women are painted like Oompa Loompas. Well, the, well, the thing is about, uh, about Newcastle was that it, it was always known as having the best nightlife in all of the UK. And, okay. and, and, and what was uh, the thing that the, all the girls would do is that it, despite the fact it was always freaking freezing there, they would uh, go around in bikinis. Yeah. And that was, did you ever go out in Newcastle? Uh, no, not in Newcastle. Similar, like, well, Canberra doesn't have like a nightlife vibe, but the girls in Canberra all wear like short shorts and it gets like, it gets criminally cold in Canberra, like where it's a weird type of cold where you can't wear snow gear because it's not like, snowing yes it's still sunny but the wind is just fucking freezing but the women would wear like short shorts have the low cut tops on and it's minus six degrees in the middle of winter so we'd just be fucking laughing at them and it's like we would always say that uh polar bears penguins and women from canberra are the only three <laughs> cattles that are uh, immune to the cold so I could understand that, but fuck bikinis in the middle of winter. No, they were, it was it, it it was always a, like a Geordie stereotype, you know. I mean, if you're into that kind of thing, it was it was great, you know. But I mean, I went to St James's Park. I got to see Newcastle United play. That was one of the, something I always wanted to do. Who so. is your football team? I don't really have a football team. I've supported various teams throughout the years. You know, I was a Man United fan when I was about six. There's a, a picture of me somewhere in the Man United kit from like 91 or 92 or something like that, standing very proudly, even though I didn't know basically a, a thing about the team. And, um, you know, I, uh, I I supported Reading a little bit because they were my local team when they were in the Premier League. And my uh, and my finest moment came when I got the whole stand of away fans to chant uh, "You fat bastard" at, uh, at David Unsworth. He was a he was a defender, and he went down in the box when he was playing for Sheffield United. <laughs> Me and my mate started chanting "You fat bastard," and like just caught on. And, and well, yeah, but that's how chants do. So someone will start doing it, and then five people around you will be, yeah, that's that's freaking awesome. We're and then like, and then suddenly thousands of people are just going, "You fat bastard, you fat," and, then, and you and you get to feel like uh, like a proud 12 year old for a second because you're like <laughs> i did that you that know? was all me yeah. i will give it i will give give it to the uk they do have like awesome awesome fucking um fans i was really kicking myself that i didn't get to go to a to a football match when i was over there it was like it was a bucket list thing to do i go should have gone man to one yeah just to one i was i i i think like the highlight was we watched chelsea versus Oh, fuck. Who was in... Do you know... Are you familiar with your football? Chelsea in the 2012... Um, fuck, Hunt's going to be so angry listening to me talk about this. <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, well, give me, give the me Champions League. Of, the Champions League, yeah, uh, yeah, 2012. They, they win it that year. They won it. Didier Drogba, my mate from um, Middlesbrough, like he's a massive Chelsea fan, so we just went to a pub and watched they it. they beat Barca? Was it Barca they beat? No, it wasn't Barca. Who did they beat that year? I'm um, going to have to look because this is going to do my head in. Because I remember Frank. I remember reading an interview with Frank Lampard, and he was saying that they re they were like we. I think they must have got through Barca that year, and he was like, "They're getting better and better every year. If we don't win it this year, we'll never win it." That was what. That, oh, is I that mean, what he said? That's what he said in the interview. He said because they're spe Barca was spending so much money and getting better and better and better every year, and they had Messi, of course, prime Messi. Yeah, fuck. He was a gun when he was when he was shredding there. Still pretty. He's still pretty freaking amazing. Now he's like thirty seven. No, it, no, it was Chelsea versus Barcelona. Oh, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I, I remember reading the. I, I remember reading the interview. Fucking hell. Um, 
yeah, wild scenes. Because we watched it like we watched it not in Chelsea but like a suburb right next to it. You couldn't get into any fucking pub that day. It was – and that's when I was like, oh, fuck, like this – Were they your team? No, I like I kind of go for Tottenham but like very loosely and could not tell you – if you ask me, like, if you had a gun to my head and you're like, name five Tottenham players. Well, how about, my I, how about, I, don't, how about I don't put a gun to your head, <laughs> and, which might help your thinking process. And we, I couldn't <laughs> tell you. I couldn't tell you what song. The Asian guy song. He's the only one what that I know. The, the, the England captain, Harry Kane. Oh, is he still playing for him? Yeah. All right. Apparently, yeah. He was last time I saw him, which was a few days ago. Yeah. But yeah so uh, just, just fully, fully, uh, <laughs> not a, not a fucking diehard supporter. And I'm like, I'm just not a massive soccer fan. But when I was over there. I got the appreciation for why it's fucking cool. So I was it's just a like, spectacle. You're enjoying the spectacle, and I can completely appreciate that. You'd have been along for the ride, watching Chelsea and being like, you know, your adopted team for that tournament. Yeah, for that. Oh, in particular for that day, I was just like, yeah, absolutely. And especially with my mate who fucking loves them, that'd be like my football team making it to the to the grand final. But um, back to you were, t- we were having a chat the other day. You told you told me that at one point you were sleeping on a gym floor. Whilst, like, going yeah, after your BJJ coaching credentials. Was that here in Australia? Yeah, that was in Australia. I mean, it's like, um, it's, you know, most people that have been really serious about this, if you don't have mum or dad propping you up, you're going to sleep on the gym floor. Yeah. Because you're just training all the time. So there was a few um, people that were... No, no, no only me. Only, no, but you? only me. <laughs> Everyone else had, so, had, a much, had a much better idea of what was going on. I was the only clown that was sleeping on the gym floor. I was like, how funny would it be <laughs> having <laughs> fucking sleepers every night with the boys? Well, the th- <laughs> no, but the thing is, you go to Brazil, like the... Uh, uh, we'll get back to my situation in a second, but you go to like uh, uh, Cicero Costa's gym where the Meow Brothers, anyone who does jiu-jitsu will know who the Meow Brothers are. They're these like... You know, are they the twins? Yeah. With, like go. they've got the crazy hair and shit? No, those are the Rotolo brothers. Oh, but the, the Meow brothers were like a generation before them. Okay. And uh, they they used to sleep at the gym all the time. They were notorious for like having a uh, – and an, like, an, well, they – you look at them and you're like, I think they might be on the spectrum there, you know, and, you know, and it's like that's their happy place, the mats are, and they would sleep at the gym, their meals would get delivered to the gym, they would only leave the gym to go to jiu-jitsu competitions, and their mum would have to come to the gym if she wanted to see them. Yeah, fuck. So that, I mean, the thing is, when you've got that level of commitment and you've got great coaching as well and good training partners, you're going to improve very fast and get to the top. To put it bluntly, I didn't have that level of commitment. I don't have that level of commitment. And it's like, and I didn't have the talent to enable me to get to that true. I mean, I'm not bad. I'm, I'm like, as far as black belts go, I'm okay. But like, it's, there's levels above what I can do, you know. To, to uh, quote Islam Makachev, there's black belts and there's black belts. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So is there, is there a bit of like a flawed system with some coaches like that? give out black belts or is he just talking about the level of once you get to black belt, you can still just keep going up like astronomically higher? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm much better now than I was when I got my black belt. I mean, I've, I've always, I'm probably, how I'm learning now, I'm probably improving more than I've improved in a long time. Cause you know, you, you, you get better at learning, you keep your eyes open. You're like, okay, that's interesting, you know, but there's, there's a much bigger difference in the quality of black belts than there has ever been. You've got the best of the best who are just unbelievably good. And then you get guys that are not 
that are probably some of the worst black belts that there's ever been. Like it's you know it's it's just the it's just the the nature of when a sport becomes truly mainstream, as jiu-jitsu has started to become. It's you're going to get that kind of uh, of difference in quality. It's just an, it it is the nature of the beast. What was the hardest belt to progress from one to the other for you personally? For me, I had a real head fuck when I got my brown belt. I wasn't mentally ready to get it in retrospect. And it took me a while to really grow into it. Okay. Um, it's just one of those things where you, you know, like you, you need to learn to take responsibility for your own training and for everything you do. And... I mean, that, that's one of the best things that martial arts has taught me is, is learning to take responsibility for everything. And if you do that, everything becomes easy. I mean, it's like J Jocko Willink. Did you know who that guy is? Yeah. You know, he talks about taking, it's the same thing, talks about taking extreme ownership. You know, I mean, I, I think he's in some ways inspirational and in some ways tapped in the fucking head. Absolutely. But, um, he's both of those things. And I think he would actually agree that... He, he is. is. He yeah. is both of those things. But, you know, he's, uh, that is what martial arts has done for me. It's made me realize, right, you've got a serious weakness there. And all, uh, for a lot of my life, I'd shy away from it. And it takes a, a mental adjustment to really charge towards it. And yeah. Be like, right, let's fix it. And it's hard. It sucks. But if you can, and it's, it's really hard. And, and I still have to, every day, have to remind myself, right, now, come on, we've got to work on this aspect because you suck at this and, you know, and, yeah, and and it's like when I was young, when I used to get, um, you'd get like someone would catch you in the gym. There was one of the guys there that me and him had a real, we liked each other, but there was a bit of them on the mats, real competition. We were both very, very competitive, and sometimes he'd catch me, and sometimes I'd catch him. And if he caught me, I'd take it very personally, and it would be a, okay, good work, but I'm going to hurt you now, kind of thing. Where it should have been, that was amazing. Talk me through what happened there. Oh, I left my arm out, didn't I? That so instead of it being let's learn and help each other get better, I was treating every round like a comp. Yeah, I'm going to beat you, and you know, and it's not. I don't think it's mentally healthy. No, and you hear you hear heaps of stories about, um, you know, people who get that ultra competitiveness inside the gym, and that there is people that try, that will hold on to subs a little bit longer, and they will deliberately do certain kind of. Not dirty, but like they will kind of go out of their way to, you know what I mean? Like hold a limb longer than. Well, that, I mean, I've got to admit, I, I just want to just say, I never did that. Yeah, I, oh, I wasn't I saying No, 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 no. I, and I know you didn't say that, but I'm saying for myself, I never did that. It was more that when I'd be rolling, I'd be rough with the person and I'd cross face them with my shoulder really hard or things like that. But there are people that do actually try and injure someone. Yeah. You and know. like, like, just, they, they are out there. Do people, do they get. Like a, a word and two, like is the person like the big dog at the gym, like well, that's where a the, fucking clown, mate. What well, that's where the gym, that's where the gym enforcer is like, you know, takes, you know, at the st stage where the coach will be like to, to the, one of his like upper, upper level students and go, hey, um, Paul's being a, a little bit um, rough with some people. Um, do you think you can, uh, you know, calm him down a little bit, you know, just let him know that it's not so nice being the, uh, being the nail, you know, being the nail, you know, can you, can you just show him a little bit, which is code for, um, make him cry, 
you know, or you know, maybe not, <laughs> maybe no, not make him cry, but like it's like you know, just uh, just make a point of of like, come on, buddy. Yeah, stop being a fucking Calm shit down. Cunt. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure he would have been. It's easier to go, Paul. Calm down. It's easier to say that. So that's the first. That's the first level. Second level is okay. Uh, big, uh, big Klaus. Yeah, c- c- come over here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, like, and get, then he comes and, and get the big put, dog in there and like yeah. smack down. But you know, and and it's. I, I think you can understand like the the level of competition and like it. I think like there's a certain thing like when when dudes start doing anything and like you start getting competitive and then like I don't think. For most people, it probably isn't like a thing from malice, but it's just like a hyper competitiveness that maybe it just doesn't translate, you know, to being the best person to roll with. Sometimes, but I mean, it's generally speaking, when guys, it doesn't always happen, but a lot of the time when guys start to get better and better and better, your ego's taken such a beating the whole time. And if your coach has got his, his head screwed on, that dickhead in you has been knocked out. Yeah, like it. It got. It took a long time, but it eventually got knocked out of me. And it's like you know. I mean, there are some people I know that have still got that, like you know, very much like you know. I really try and be really easygoing and relaxed, you know. And it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, it it's not nice being a dickhead on the mat. No, and it's like it's it doesn't make for a, a good training partner. It doesn't make for someone that you want. Like it's not good to be a dickhead in any sense of the word. Like no, no one wants no. to hang out. No one wants to hang out, dickhead. So, um, the hardest jump was to uh, to brown belt. Do you prefer gi or no gi? Did you have a preference? I like both for different reasons. I mean, the thing is, if you these days, uh, gi and no gi has really separated. You know, in that you know there are real specialists in both now. It used to be the guys that were the best at gi were also the best at no gi, and now you're seeing some guys. Uh, I mean, I suppose there's guys like uh, what's his name, that Magalelli guy, whatever his name is, that uh, trains with uh, started training with John Donaher. He uh, is that Mickey or whatever is Mickey, that little whiz kid who's in no, that, one. No, that's um, Mushimeshi. That's Michael Mushimeshi. Ah, okay. He's amazing. He's very good. But, like, I mean, what am I talking about? The best guys are still the best guys. But it's like the thing is that the leg lock game has really, as because you've got in Brazilian jiu-jitsu in the gi, you've got the uh, the leg reaper rule, which means, you know, there's certain there's a lot of leg attacks you cannot do. And then you in uh, no-gi grappling, you have anything goes as far as leg attacks yeah so it changes the way that uh the way that matches go yeah so it's like um because i've heard that in you know in some nogi and in some gyms they won't teach you leg locks until you're is it purple belt or brown belt like long a lot further down the line yeah there's a lot of that goes on i mean that that's less now but i mean i mean i i think there's a i think personally i think and until you're a it depends from gym to gym, but the thing is you get now people that are good at leg locks and are very good at leg locks. Like there's a guy called uh, Jeremy Skinner who's uh, outstanding at leg locks. He's uh, He used to fight at 66. He, he just did the last Abu Dhabi. He did. He's very, very good at, with leg attacks. Outstanding. Um, a, a real leg lock specialist, but... but um, he's he's spent and you know I'm sure he'd be the first person to say this. He spent a lot less time on his uh, like guard passing and uh, and and an actual jiu-jitsu because I mean 
he doesn't need it in a lot of in a lot of matches. Yeah, you watch him; he's so slick off the leg. It's you know he he just subs everybody. If he grabs hold of your leg, it's over. Yeah, he's you know. How's, so how's he getting into his position? Is he doing? Sits down. Imanari rolls and oh, he just sits, sits down. down. He just uh, does a little butt scoot towards you. Well, yeah, or, or he'll, he's, he's figured out a way to get the entry or things like that. Like some some grappling comps allow you to sit down without the grip. Some, you know, you have to. But he, he'll happily eat two points in a takedown. Yeah. Like, you know, he just makes sure he's on his butt and he's going to grab hold of your leg. And then you're like, oh, crap. You know, he's... Here we go. No, he's, he's outstanding off the leg. I think he's training in America now, but... um. And good luck to him. You know, he's uh, he's training with the B team and Craig Jones and all those guys. Oh, okay, out cool. There, so. What do you think yeah. of those guys like Gordon Ryan and all that kind of stuff? Are you a fan of... Who yeah, isn't fan? a fan of Gordon Ryan? Yeah. Uh, you know, he's you know, the, the, the best... Uh, he's the best no-gi guy in the world right now. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think... Uh, I don't think many people would uh, would argue against that. And, you know, he's... He, he is... <clears throat> he's the guy that's really made you know uh really helped take jiu-jitsu forward you know i mean he's he's pretty funny too his social media posts are actually uh he roasts people all the time man oh, he goes after it he goes <laughs> he's hard he's in the pretty paint. funny man. i like what he's done at some tournaments of just like giving judges a piece of paper and just like with a picture of a triangle on it and stuff and just being like i'm going to submit this guy with a triangle well, the thing is, he's really smart because what he would do is, is he would actually he'd have his next load of instructionals filmed that he's coming out, and he would win his fights in a way that would promote his next series of instructionals. Yeah, which is incredibly smart. That's genius. You know, it's like you know, so he's 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 getting paid for the for the fights, and then he's using these fights to go. Okay, now look at these most recent fights. I'm uh, looking at what was it that Dana had a recent series in how to pin. And he's saying, so look, so he, he went from like attacking the legs all the time to go, right, I'm going to be passing and I'm going to be pinning. And his body lock guard passes. I remember his recent body lock instruction, uh, body lock guard pass instruction was pretty neat, you know. And he's um, he's been incredibly successful. He's killing it off those videos, like those instructional videos. Millions. Yeah. Millions and good for him. He's, and he's he, done it. Like when he was talking about doing that as well, he's just like, now I don't need to go and teach seminars and stuff like that. Like I'm just making passive income of people buying my videos. Yeah. Well, he's, he's achieved the golden, the gold standard of, of passive income. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, there's, there's some incredible guys out there, you know, he's, and, and he's definitely one of them. I mean, I, I don't, I, I think it's going to be tough at absolute for anyone to, to beat him in the, in the near future. I mean, listen to what I'm saying that there might be someone out there that's going to come up, but you know, he's just got so the resources he can put into his training now, it's going to be hard for anyone else to match. Like, you know, that he can just afford so much to bring to the table. Um, but, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, I remember there was that famous case with um, in the UFC many years ago. Rich Franklin had just uh, convincingly beaten the, the top two challengers in the, uh, in the UFC. And, uh, and at the time, people were saying, oh, there's no one in the division for him to fight. There's no one, you know, like, who, who's he going to fight? You know, he's, you know, it's like, okay. And, you know, and Franklin was like, I'm, you know, I'm going to go out and get surgery. And, um, and I'm sure in time a challenger will, you know, appear and I will beat them. And it's true. A challenger did appear, uh, in the name of, uh, Mr. Anderson Silva. Yeah. 
And that did not go well for Rich, frankly. No. <laughs> Poor Rich got fucked up. <laughs> yeah, twice. Twice, yeah. He got bashed twice. That was um, that was like the prime time of when I started. That's like when I came into watching UFC, when him and him and GSP were just fucking kicking ass and taking names. That's when I first started getting into it. Maybe You've had an MMA fight, haven't you? I've had, I've had quite a few? a few MMA fights. Yeah. yeah, I've had a few MMA fights. So Fuck, dude, what was that like? God, I didn't fucking... Well, I couldn't think of anything worse. Like, And people say that about like comedy. Like when I tell them, oh, I've got a show this weekend, they're like, oh, I couldn't picture anything worse than having it. But I'm just like, you prepare for it. And you it's you like prepare you for a fight too, buddy. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I didn't like, just wander in off the street <laughs> with a pint of beer. <laughs> Although that would have been fucking badass. But like, what are the oh, stupid? What's the like? What's the thought process like when you're? Well, firstly, making the walk. Every fight is different. Every fight is different. Every the the way you think of any major experience you have in your life, where there's like you know a lot you know in, in riding on it, whether it be reputation, your own personal you know performance, anything. Every single time is slightly different. And the first time I did it, I, I had no idea like really what I was doing. You know, I just decided, yep, yeah, I want to do it. I've been training for a while, and there were people, the guys in Sheffield, I was training with Sheffield Shoot Fighters. Uh, Shout out to those guys, love you guys, and um, we were training together for the for the fight, and you know, and the guys are, yeah, you know, Dave, you know, Pep, the guy that ran, he's like, you know, he says, uh, I think you're ready, you know, he's to spit his words out like that, you know, he comes from Sheffield, <laughs> and he's like, all right, Dave, and he says, well, I think you, I think you're ready, you know, it'll be, you'll be all right, you know, we we got a fella for you to fight, and I don't know how good he is or anything about him, but uh, I think you'll, <laughs> I think you'll be all right, and you know, it's the super low level MMA, so it's like, yeah. you know, and um, my mate Kayvon, he, he was this like incredible talent another talent that you know should have done more than he did but um anyway that yeah. Kayvon's another hilarious character some of the stories about him are like well anyway and um so I, I went I went down to Western Supermare and was fighting in one of their shows and the thing was I was so I actually just had to get really angry that's what I had to do. I had to force myself to get really enraged and angry. And I was like, and the funny, so this is a funny story. This is what happened. So I walk out and I walked out to some Metallica, like, you know, like heavy stuff. And I, I walked into the, uh, walked into, uh, I walked up the stairs, took my shoes off and the music's blaring and I'm, and my opponent's already in the cage. What was his name? Um, um, remember his name his, his nickname was the, the torturer that was his nickname oh, anyway yeah anyway whatever but anyway it doesn't matter when you're in there trust me the no. name the name is the last thing yeah, you're could thinking be the fairy of. princess like, be, this motherfucker's yeah, getting well it. those are the dangerous ones yeah you know? but, <laughs> but anyway and um so i, I go in there and I, I walk onto the threshold, uh, uh, just on the edge, you know, like right under the the thing of the cage. Look at my guy, stand up straight, and bang, hit my head really hard on the seal sanction on the top of the cage. Oh no! And it's like, I'm like and the whole crowd's like, ooh, like the oh shit! And I've got this massive egg on my head, huge egg immediately on my head. <laughs> and I walk in and the guy that's cornering with me is a guy called Alex Owen and he fought in, he was like one of the top guys in the UK for a while. He was cornering me that day and he walked in and he was like, right, uh, you've had the first hit. Uh, that's already happened. Trust me, it ain't going to be worse than that. <laughs> Get him down and sob him. <laughs> and uh, and anyway, that's, that's literally what happened. Uh, he just 
tried to like he was a Muay, a Muay Thai guy and he tried to knock me out and yeah. as he did I just like just rah, you know not not really much technique um and just wrestled him down to the ground and got on top and then scramble happened and then I triangled him from the bottom in the end that was the um that was how the fight ended and so is that a one rounder yeah uh, yeah all my all, all my fights were one round fights all, no no I think there's one that went around too but anyway yeah it was yeah. It was pretty funny when you said you were looking for a way to get, get yourself angry and I was kind of interrupting me like, yeah, like stubbing your toe, but then you hit your head. And I was <laughs> like, well, that hitting your head <laughs> gets you enraged anyway. So you're well, like, oh, fucking this guy, the torturer, you're fucked. Well, it, the thing was, you got to do it before then. Because yeah. the thing is, you've got to do it before you get that like adrenal dump. You'll see, and, and that's where you'll just like you get your your body just dumps all your energy, and then you have no energy. It's just boom, and you see guys like, oh god, and these monstrously strong, fit guys are just gassed before they've done anything. So you've got to be in the changing room and ready and calm. And then when you walk out, so like I was already pissed off when I was walking down the steps. It was like that's when you and, uh, but as I got like further into my fight career like I came over to Australia and I actually started to improve and get genuinely good I was really relaxed when I went out to fight I, I didn't get angry I was like okay yeah I've got a job to do and uh, there was um I remember I there's a, a couple of a couple of things I remember I, one of my fights that was in Hurstville this was in in Sydney yeah I, so I walk out to the uh, I walk out to the cage and I didn't know this but some of my mates his his friends were at a uh, were at a table and they were like and my mate, uh, my mate Khan, Khan Zaman, lo- love you, buddy. Hope you're doing okay. And he was, uh, he was like going, uh, he was like saying, yeah, he said, my mates were there. He says, and uh, this guy walked out and he didn't look like much. And all my mates were like, right, 50 bucks, he gets knocked out. And everyone's like, yeah, 50 money goes down on the table. And, uh, and he says, and anyway, he says, he then won. He won. He put the guy to sleep. He put the other guy to sleep. And I'm like, oh, cool story, Khan. He's like, it was you, Dave. You were the <laughs> I was like, oh, there's a compliment in there somewhere, yeah, I think, Khan. Bit of a backhanded compliment. <laughs> Didn't look like much. Yeah, I was like, oh, thanks, buddy. But in fairness, you know, you look at me from back in the day when I had really, like, fluffy hair. And it, like, sometimes it looks like a guy, like a homeless dude's been dragged out from a bridge. Yeah, and bum fights. Like, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And stuffed into a gi. My, my uh, there's one of my fights at Brown Belt. And my arms being raised. You can see it on my Facebook. If you look up through my f- Facebook profile pictures, you'll see there's this p- picture of me, and uh, I, I literally look like it looks like someone has grabbed a homeless guy from under a bridge, stuffed him into a gi, given him a brown belt, and sometimes he's uh, somehow he's won. And my coach just put a meme, and it's got me on top. That's right. And then underneath, you lost to this guy. <laughs> Oh, how embarrassing. That's going to be with that guy forever well, as well. Well, yeah, well, well, the thing is, he's actually cut, in fairness, he's cut the other guy out. You can just see oh, me. But, but oh, it's, right. yeah, it's, it, I look terrible. I'm like, ugh, like I'm about to die. Yeah. Do you have a favourite UFC or MMA fighter of all time? Well, the thing is, I'm a bit of an MMA snob in some ways. So it's like, you know, like the, the guys that you see now, like they're technically very good, but like, I like athletes that stand out for their technical ability. Yeah. Like, you know, like guys like Israel Adesanya. His stand-up is beautiful. Yeah, like he's really good. Um, you've You know, like, uh, I'm not quite so keen on Alex Pereira just because he relies more on power. Uh, but, I mean, he won. So yeah. good for him. But it's like, if you're asking my personal favourites, I love Damian Meyer. 
Um, I love Shinya Aoki. Um, like guys, like oh, who's oh, there's another uh, Japanese fighter I used to really like. Um, he was the unluckiest fighter in the world. He like got an eye injury because he was smashing the guy, and the guy threw a high kick, and the toe went in his eye, and he had an eye injury. What was his name? He lost fight so many fights he should have won. Yeah, and um. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he fought, he got knocked out by Jens Pulver. Like, you know, the, there's so many great fighters out there that, you know, that, but there's not many that I would really go, okay, I'm going to go out of my way to watch this, you know. Even like the UK guys, like, do you get a little bit of like the hometown pride when like guys like Bisping or like what happened when Leon Edwards won? Were you like, my fucking boy? No. Nah? Don't know. Don't know. So it's like, it's, it, it's more the thing is, do I like the person's style? Or if I know them. I mean, yeah. I don't know a lot of the modern fighters, especially from the UK, because, you know, I've been out of it for, for, for so long. But if I knew the guys, I mean, I, I fought on the same card as Bisping, like once or twice, you know, and I knew Dan Hardy pretty well and uh, yeah. Paul Daly and, you know, I, I knew those guys. And, you know, um, uh, there, was a, there was another guy that used to train with my coach called uh, Lee Murray. Oh, yeah, I've heard of Lee Murray, Lee fucking Murray. lunatic. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he was... Um, he did like a massive bank robbery or something, right? Yeah, yeah, he did, man. That that guy was... Uh, I, I mean... Dude, he, like... He, he, he really... He went for it. Yeah. You got to you got to give the man credit for for uh, for really going for it. Like, you know, he saw what he thought he, he could get away with. And, you know, I hope... Uh, I hope he gets. Uh, I hope he gets out of prison at some point and gets to you know spend some time with his kids. You know, I, I really do because yeah. uh, he, he he got like a big prison sentence. In uh, where's he for? Where's he from? Where's he? I forget where he is now. Yeah, um, he, he, I forget because because his name wasn't Lee Murray. It was Lee something Murray because he, he had his dad's name and his mum's name. But like he, he had the double banger. Yeah, but he, I mean. But yeah, I mean, he was a he was a good fighter, man. He he could fight. Yeah, he was. A there's good a fighter. like there's a interesting um, like fight series on the UFC Fight Pass where they do a bunch of these different stories, and they've got uh -huh. one on Lee Murray that I've really interesting. Yeah, that I've been meaning to watch for quite some time. The reason I ask is I think that like, and maybe it's just from a novice perspective, and obviously I love the UFC, but anytime there's an Aussie fighter on, I'm like, come on, son. So of like. Course. Yeah, I think honestly, I think you lose that to a degree when you go from one country. I used to be more like that with the Brits, but you lose that to a degree when you move from one country to another, and then you make that second country your home. Yeah, you you you're you're, you're a bit conflicted because you're like, and that, that means that you kind of tend to repress it a little bit because you 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 want to see your your hometown, your hometown guys or the or where you came from win, but. You don't live there anymore. Yeah. And for an, any number of reasons, you chose to live in your new country. And you feel like you, you're definitely conflicted. And it's like, and the thing is, then you've realized, well, hang on. This is a sport that I don't play. I don't know any of these people. And it will not affect my life, who, whoever wins. And you tend to just try and like look at <laughs> a, a real world perspective of it. It's like, you know, I'm going to go to work tomorrow, regardless of whether A or B wins. Right. I'm not watching it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I will go out of my way to not watch an in a single match of this upcoming Soccer World Cup. I won't be watching that. That We can, we can actually get into that, actually, because that was something that I wanted to talk about on my current events. So, uh did you did you hear that they that Qatar has like now backflipped on the deal that they had with F 
FIFA and I think it was Budweiser. So Budweiser had $112 million sponsorship. And then Qatar's like, yeah, 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 like that's we'll real money. The laws. We'll you should, the you should actually like uh, speak to Budweiser and see if you can get, you know, do like a, a Bud Light, you know, beer tasting thing. If if they've got like spare money sloshing around from <laughs> this uh, thing, you should. Well, well, they were they didn't give a fuck. They were like, yeah, oh, well, it is what it is. Like Budweiser, if you are listening, uh, we are definitely open for sponsors here. We will do a beer tasting. Uh, I'm gonna the, backflip uh, on that as well. <laughs> I'm gonna backflip on you, Budweiser. Stop putting so much fucking water in your beer, you soft cunts. <laughs> Get a fucking VB or a Tui's new up here, dog, and learn what fucking real beer tastes like, you weak fucking cunts. Um, uh, yes, he is, of course, speaking in jest, Budweiser. We do not want any legal action from hey, if you. Have you got $112 million that you fucking uh, that you want to get rid of and lose again? Fuck, I'll have it. But You definitely do not put water in your beer. It is all beer. It is a premium beer, which we support wholeheartedly. I'll put on a fucking... I'll put a tea towel on my head and fucking... I put a tea towel and a fucking do rag on my head, dude. A tea towel and a rubber band on my head, and we'll be fucking good to go. Well, yeah, but they've uh, they've backflipped, as you were saying. Yeah, they backflipped. I was just like, oh yeah, we're gonna loosen the laws, and then they didn't loosen the laws. And like, for for me, there's no interest why I would want it. Like, not that I watch any soccer or football, whatever you want to call it, but like, you can't be drunk there. So obviously, that's out of the equation for me. A lot of, like, you can't have, like, premarital sex, so, like, half the people that would be going to this thing, you know, they're probably going to want to fuck at some point. They can't do that, or if they do do that, they get fucking stoned to death. Then, like, what's the point of going here? Like, there's no positives. Like, fuck the, fuck the World Cup. Fuck the World Cup in guitar. And uh, I, I can't imagine you. They hate uh, homosexuals as well. I, I really can't imagine you cruising around the Natural History Museum. It, 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 it like in London. It, it doesn't really seem your kind of. Uh, it doesn't seem your kind of thing. I uh, absolutely <laughs> the, not. The, uh, the, 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 the insight we're getting into the uh, into the Australian of Newcastle here yeah. is absolutely outstanding. Yeah, we only care about one fucking. <laughs> we only care about one World Cup, and we fucking won that on the weekend, mate. Fucking rugby league. Well, well that's not even a real sport. Man, that's Rugby like league, <laughs> fucking mate! I just kicked my thong off. I'm ready to fucking slap you across the table, mate. Well, uh, you know, anyway, remember Howzos? Do you remember yeah. that show? It was oh, that's the first thing I saw. Oh, oh, I thonged him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so why? Well, why are you going to be watching any of the World Cup? Well, man, for one thing, I don't play football. Yeah, I don't, and like I, I don't. I mean, I, oh, God, like. There's not many sports I enjoy watching now, and unless I actually do them to some degree, you know, yeah, like watching I, I, it. I, it's it's just I mean it's like sure I mean it's it, it's like watching entertainment, and I don't really like watching pure entertainment. There's got to be like I'm getting something out of it, I'm learning something, I'm doing it, and it's like you know, and otherwise I feel like I'm just wasting my time. I'd rather be doing something else. I'd rather be doing you know, yeah. I don't writing. watch too much I'd, TV. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather be writing, you know, I like write, you know, if I'm writing, doing some comedy, like, you know, I'm trying to write out a new joke that's going to like bomb, you know, yeah. <laughs> craft, or, you a know, bit. Or, you know <laughs> craft a new bit that's going to get me kicked out of the country, you know, nah. so, not in Newcastle, uh, <laughs> not in New Speaking of uh, comedians, uh, Pete Davidson slinging his dick around, taking some names. I tell you what, that's a that's that's a young man's lifestyle, and that's a young man enjoying his lifestyle. What right a fucking there. king! Being a king, he's uh, who's he fucking Emily Rat- Ratowski or some 
too too hard of a last name to pronounce. Get a better last name, you know. She yeah, should have went the yeah. Dave Brooks yeah, Dave bank Brooks, fucking right. yeah, the Dave yeah. Brooks. She yeah. should just be Emily Rat. <laughs> Emily Rat. <laughs> oh, so, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't sound quite so exotic. I'm no, just going to put it that way. Have it's you seen like, Emily Rat? It's like whoa, Emily no, Rat. And then it's you like, see her. No, like, but, no, but hang fuck. on, you'd be like, wait a minute, what's the verb to rat? You know, like has she been talking to the cops? Is she yeah. like what? The, <laughs> She's a you know, snitch. No, 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 no. That's her name. Dave. She's a gorgeous <laughs> snitch. But dude, he's had some. Bo- he's got a body count. We were talking off camera. He's got a body count of how many, like, of some absolute baddies. Kim K, Ariana Grande, Kate Beckinsale. If I googled, like, dude, he's got like another fucking seven more babes, just all the notches on the belt. Some with too hard names to pronounce. Like Emily Rat was hard enough for me to fucking spit out, and I was like, you know what? These other these other C graders aren't gonna fucking get make it on the lineup. But but is he happy? I fucking no. He, well, he's clinically depressed. Yeah, but is he, well, no. Well, the thing well, being was, being like being a fucking white boy with raccoon eyes and a ten inch dick must be really depressing. Like being living in your mother's basement and being a multi millionaire must be really, really you, difficult. You ruined my. You ruined the setup completely because I was like going to go. But is he happy? And then it was going to be a pause, and I was going to be yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's balling it. He's loving it. And then he was like, "No, he's like, oh fuck, he's, Sorry, he's clinically depressed." I'm like, oh <laughs> shit. It's like, well, the thing is, that's the when you read about people like that that have just he he obviously he's worked incredibly hard for what he has got, but he's got so much and he's depressed. And you're like, yeah, that's that's not cool, man. That's like. um that's actually really sobering when you're like, yeah, okay, oh, fa- fair enough, man. You you you've got this like hedonistic lifestyle that you're enjoying, but like, are you actually happy? And it's like, Jesus. Yeah, it is. It is. It is quite sad. Like that. I don't know. For that, that could be something that everybody wants, but then like he's achieved that, and he's just like, I'm still not happy. So obviously, he's got some emptiness inside of him that he's trying to kind of fix and i think he's getting counseling and stuff like that i think anyone who wants to be you get some people that become famous if you will i mean and anyone I, I think anyone who aspires to be famous i think there's a real something that Level is of, broken yeah a bit of narcissism uh, narcissism in and just needing attention and you know they want to be famous i really can't think of anything worse no than someone I mean, I've been, I remember there was a, I remember I once did a jiu-jitsu comp and I, uh, and I, I, I choked a guy when he was, when he was standing. And, um, this was in the fight, by the way, not a member of the crowd that I just <laughs> jumped on, you know, but, and, Some um. Some guy cut you yeah, and yeah, cut in yeah, line yeah, and yeah. hot dogs there, motherfucker. And, um, and someone came up to me on the street and was like, Dave. And I was like, do I know you, buddy? And he's just like, no, 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 Dave, I, I, I don't know you, mate, but I saw your fight and it was a man. I'm like, oh, and it was the one of the weirdest experiences I've ever had in my life. And then someone said to me, they're like, yeah, and imagine, um, imagine if that's your whole life. Yeah, every day. And you're like, you can't. You can't, can't take a piss in the pub without. can't take a piss, yeah. yeah. And it's, and anyway, like, either way, you know, if uh, I'm sure Pip, Pete Davidson's going to be listening to this, and uh, oh, if and, he and, writes in all yeah, the time. And if, excellent. Well, well, Pete, you know, you uh, hope you get some counselling, buddy. And uh, he was one of the listeners that was like, "Where you been for a few weeks?" <laughs> he was. Do, he's one of the guests. He's, <laughs> he's got him on next week. You yeah. know, like. I'll get him out of uh, his mum's basement and down to Glorious he, Stockton. Does he actually live in his? Uh, does he live in his? his oh, he, he'd like he'd converted a basement. I don't know. This is a few years ago. I'm, I'm just fucking talking jive. I've got no idea okay. about what Pete Davidson is really <laughs> Lives doing. in a mansion in New York. He probably does. Like, <laughs> I fuck, hope he, he does. He's on fucking Saturday he's Night got, Live. He's got money, man. My hay fever's fucking killing me, dude. Um, 
Also, I don't know if you saw there was a uh, there was a billboard in Brisbane that got hacked. Did you Did you hear about this? Oh, go on. What happened? A billboard got hacked, like a big digital billboard got hacked. Okay. And then the hackers just started playing porn on it. <laughs> so like this busy road in Brisbane, <laughs> and there's this huge billboard just playing porn. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was only for like three and a half minutes, but you know. For any man worth his salt, that's quick enough time to rub one out too. So well, I'm hoping there was a few dudes just pulled over on the side of the road. Hopefully not while you're driving, guys. <laughs> you know, that's like that's uh, that could have caused some serious car accidents, yeah. you know. Like Drinking and driving <laughs> is dangerous, but wanking and driving is even more dangerous. Uh, well, yeah, it's. Uh, I was going to say, well, the drinking and driving, you, no, you normally have the drink first and then you drive. It's the whole simultaneous thing. The law comes really down hard on, you know, yeah. literally hard on, you know. Yeah, to, that's you know, it. To, to <laughs> but, jerk, uh, if you're jerking off in the... Car, but no, I didn't hear about that. That's brilliant, though. That's absolutely fantastic. That's what you need to do. uh, I like. I feel. I love when hackers hack the world for just for, you know, like when people's bank accounts get hacked and people's money gets stolen and information. You're like, you're a shit cunt. But if someone hacks a fucking billboard and does something funny like that, or someone hacking someone's Twitter and just posting something stupid on there, I'm all about it. Oh man. I tell you what, have you heard? Um, you, you of course have heard of Sam Morrill, haven't you? Yeah. Well, his uh, his special uh, "I've Got This" is on YouTube, and it's free on YouTube. So anyone, if you like stand up, go watch that. It's brilliant. And there's a bit in there where he's talking about office porn, and he's yeah. like saying, "Yeah, the uh, the YouTube movement is uh, very important. You know, I, I take it very seriously, and uh, and it's ruined office porn for me because, like, after it's over, you know, I'll be like." Yeah, he, he should not have done that. <laughs> and uh, you know, and I I'll, I need uh, uh, you know, for my own conscience, I need a guy to come uh, to come on at the end and say, "Yeah, that was uh, completely wrong. Uh, he doesn't work here anymore." You know? <laughs> <laughs> he gets cancelled at the end. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, it, um, yeah, it's uh, I. Uh, like the thing is, one of the main things I do now is I I, I try spare time I've got. I'm either watching stand up or I write. Yeah, that's what I like trying to do. It's um. Yeah, it's important to kind of do a practice like quite regularly where you are writing new bits. Sometimes it can be hard on like on showcases and stuff when you eventually get around to doing it is like you've got bits that work yeah, and you've got bits that are like they're on a tier so like they completely don't work so you throw them out. Ones that are all right and some that are just a fucking bangers. So like sometimes for me like I get conflicted because I'm like if it's a showcase and the people have paid like money for it I just want to give them some bangers <laughs> and then they get out like I don't want to be like oh should I get experimental with this bit and try it out and see how it goes and try work it out on stage even though I've got seven more minutes have you ever done that have, have you like have you had one where you're like you've taken you've rolled the, you've, it's a loaded dice but you've yeah. rolled it you've been like I, 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 th- I think I've got this yeah like even um, like that new hooker bit that I've been working on yeah um I was reevaluating it before doing it on the weekend and I was just like, I can add some more to this and beefing it up a bit. Yeah. And then just on the showcases, I was just like, I tried two different versions of it, like different taglines here and there. And mm-hmm. um, both nights it worked, both nights very different reactions because I was like, oh, let's go for a, let's go for a gross kind of, the, the analogy is that uh, prostitute pussy is a lot like a service station pie. Right. And then I get into th- like three different descriptive versions yeah. of why it is. And I was like, let's go real disgusting on Friday night. <laughs> and it was just people being like, ooh, <laughs> like just verbal groans from like, of just disapproval of people being like, can't, what are you, you're a fucking animal. And then I was like, okay, so I completely pushed the bill there. 
what was like what was the best one out of that that wasn't too filthy and then started um started with that on the on the Saturday night and then just came with two other punchlines and that worked way better so I was like all right well there you go and then you figured it out so it's just like you know if I had a waited open mics I would have had to wait two weeks to get uh a verdict on that bit yeah that's that's interesting, but it's like one of the guys said this to me, and this is a, a really interesting point for me because uh, he said, once you know that you've got like a couple of jokes that, like you know, th- they work, they get laughs, and you're like, right. He, he said to me, he said, uh, what, what's the name? Of the, I'm terrible with names. What's Mitch. the name of the uh, is that? Th- that's the guy Bath that opens. For, that's the guy that opens for Isaac. Oh, Hill. that's Ben. Ben, yeah, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> and Ben was just saying to me, he said, once you've got some jokes that really work. And you know they work. He said, you know, two, three times and you're like, I've got it. He said, retire them. He said, for like, you know, for if you get paid gigs or things like that. So you've still got them and they're still there. He said, but you should be always trying to use the open mics. For something to, to, new. To, for, you know, for something new. He said, like, he said, you know, d- don't use that for your best material. And I had to think about it and I was like, yeah, but you want to be funny. But then, like, yeah, but people know you're funny. If you know they've seen they've seen it, so they know it's there. The people that count, they they see it that they know it's there. And it, what what's your take on that? I think it's it's really interesting. It's uh, yeah. I try. I there's a few different thought processes. So sometimes um, sometimes I'll just do crowd work at an open mic, and I'm like I just want to work on my on sharpening crowd work. And a little bit before you came, I was just doing that. And then sometimes I'd have how, like. How do you do? Sorry, can I just interrupt you for a second? How do you develop? The, the skill of doing crowd work because that then leads into MC work and things like that, doesn't it? Like, yeah. So how, how do you develop that? I just, I don't know. I think you just can ask some basic questions like, um, you know, if they've got like, what's your name? What do you do for work? And if that gives you nothing, like if it's like, I'm Jack, I'm a Sparky. You're like, all right, fucking sick. You can then like ask a hobby or, or something like that. But it's typically, I will go on appearance as well um so like i was i was like during that hook a bit i then crowd worked on on saturday night and i was just like you know what i was just like you look like you've seen a few prostitutes in my time my man (laughs) and then you know like so i just picked on the guy and then i was just like with teeth like that i fucking know you have and he had horrible teeth and then um you know i was just like but i like was just like but you know what like for an ugly cunt, you dress you dress nice, and he had like he had a cool jacket on. Anyway, as at, at the end of the show, everyone's leaving, so I was like, "Hey, mate, hope you have a good night." And he like he didn't say anything during the initial crowd reaction. I think he was shocked. Right. Then as he left, I realized that this guy was like a special needs guy, and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> I'm the shittest cunt." I was like, "Fuck, sorry, buddy." And he was just like, and just like kind of kept walking, and I was like, "Oh my god." And, so sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get. But in terms of that... Did he know what was happening? I got no fucking idea. Apparently there was a few like special needs people in, in the audience. And I got the heads up. Is that when you got the really good crowd reaction that you were looking for? Like, is oh, I didn't. I didn't. I dropped the tards bit in the, in the <laughs> prostitute joke. I didn't, I didn't do that. Um, but Ben's right. Like I, I, I often look at open mic nights as an opportunity to try new bits. At least one. Like if you want to, if you want to get comfortable and start with start with something that you know, yeah. try and make it short, like a, just a quick setup punch that can get them to like you within the first kind of thirty seconds. Then I try new shit, and then if it's not going well, then 
I typically will have two jokes that I know work. Yep. So that's my opener and my closer. And then in between that space, then I'm just going to try all new shit. And if you eat dicks and you bomb, you're just like, oh, fuck, it is what it is. I'm just bombing up here. And you know at the end of the day, like, you're like, this is new. And then if you record it and listen to it, you honestly don't even need to listen to it sometimes because you walk off stage and you're like, I know exactly where I fucked up with that. I, I called that lady fat or, you know, I picked on that guy for being Indian or whatever it may have been. And you're like, all right, I know exactly why that bit didn't work. It was like, the casual I, racism that kind yeah. of uh, bombed the whole <laughs> I was, set. Yeah, I was too harsh there. Um, so, yeah, like I think that Ben's absolutely right. You need to use open mics as an opportunity to, to kind of harvest, harvest bits work on them um but sometimes though like with the with the hooker bit for instance i've been working on that for ages because i know like it's a multi-layered bit and there's certain like you know every week i'd write like a new tagline for it how's this going to work or if i switch up the wording if i switch up the order of where my taglines come in does that give the, the bit more so like the joke was never the same every week it was always different and evolving and it took me probably about five or six weeks to kind of get it now to where I'm like, all right, cool. Now you can go in the bag. Like you, you work. Yeah. I've done other bits where I'm like, it's, it gets a laugh, but it's not a pop. Like it's not fucking sweet. So then like with those bits, I'm like, I could, you know, I could probably do 15, 20 minutes worth of material, but I'm like, I want them to be bangers. Like I want it to be fucking start to finish, just mop the floor with it. You're doing eight minutes. That's what you need. It's got to be a like yeah, you know, which is which is what on these showcases when you're doing yeah seven to ten minutes. I was just like, I want that to be just fire from top to bottom. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm I'm still learning as well. Like, but yeah, that that would probably be my my advice to anyone listening or anyone who wants to try it or any newcomer is if you want to have one or two that you know work just to keep in keeping because you don't want to bomb to leave. Like you don't want to like have one good joke at the start, eat dick, eat dick, eat dick, and then be like, all right, sweet, now I've got to get off because inevitably the MC has to come up and then have to try pick the energy back up in the crowd, which sometimes you'll see, like, if someone bombs horribly or even if they don't finish great, then sometimes you might be like, all right, I know that we need to pick the energy up here. Yeah. So you, you jump in and do a little bit of crowd work or do a... One, a bit. Of the, one of the better sets I've actually had in the very small number that I've done, I, I, I won't hesitate to tell you, is when someone had actually bombed like that and it actually worked really well for me because the crowd was actually like, right, um, we need well, something. Let's, let's give this guy a try. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know and, it, and it worked really well. And you, uh, I've, I've heard about um, you know, Bill Burr talking and saying, guy in front of you kills so hard that the next guy bombs you know because the crowd's like so amped up <laughs> like, they want more of that yeah you just don't want too many bombs in a row because oh, for sure yeah otherwise <laughs> you can get a night like um what happened a few weeks ago where the crowd went from being reciprocal and being like this is going to be the best night ever free comedy show oh the first guy wasn't great oh the second guy was okay Oh man, the third guy wasn't that great. And then like, then their energy's just down and they're like, yeah. oh, fuck, what's this cunt going to say? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. And this guy's telling a dick joke. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, okay, all right. How many more dick jokes <laughs> are you going to hear tonight? <laughs> but like if you, yeah, that, so it's, there is a very important role that an MC can play as well. 
And do you think the standard, so I'm interrupting you here, but sorry, but do you think the standard at Newcastle of the open mic nights is pretty high? Because like I've, I've seen footage of, of quite a few other places that do open mics and the standard in Newcastle that on, on that open night, some of the, some of the sets are, they're pretty damn good, man. Yeah, I think there's certain people that do really well. There's certain people that don't try new material and they yeah. do the same shit all the time. Um, I've only ever really done it in Canberra and in, in Newcastle. So it's hard to say. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I can honestly answer. Like, there's good people, there's shit people, <laughs> but that's, that's open mic so comedy. in every walk of life, mate. Yeah, but I think, like, once you get to... Um, showcases and shows there on the weekend and you're seeing people that are doing well at open mics and are working and crafting bits and then you're mixing them with um, some Sydney comics. Like some Newcastle comics can hang with Sydney comics when they come up. And I've seen some Sydney comics come up and not do very well. But they're they're like they're lower level guys. Like every, every person from Sydney that's come up that's like headlining at a headlining level is just fucking destroying that room and that's the best thing about the newcastle comedy club is like the crowd is rowdy they're ready for it so yeah hard to say it's a good place man it I is like, i like the newcastle comedy club it's, it's fucking place. sick um so we like to do what we call a sunday roast cool every every week we roast a shit cunt uh to finish the episode cool the sunday roast So this woman has, this is the first duplicate of the Sunday roast. We've never had a double up, but there's a lady called Mavoni Morales and she is a woman who married a rag doll. So listeners may have heard heard me talk about this lady before. Uh, she's a 37-year-old woman who was struggling to find love and was struggling fi- to find a man that she could dance with. Um, so out of the goodness of her heart, her mother knitted her a... Um, a rag doll, and I'll just show you a photo of her here, Dave. And wow, that's, how could you? How would you describe the rag doll? He's, he's a looker. He's a little bit pale. I'm, I'd want him tested for anemia, to be <laughs> honest with you. I mean, he's he's he looks really pale, and I mean, he's got a good head of hair on him. Much Great like, head of hair. He looks he looks borderline. Can I borrow that for a second? He actually looks borderline ginger. He's a uh, yeah, he's, I mean... He's got a chestnut brown hair, I'd got say. got a chestnut brown hair, yeah. I mean, I, I'd, I'd like to officially call him a ranger, but, you know, it's. I mean, there's there's a lot going on in this picture here, which I can see. I mean, the thing is, like, it, it's obvious that that, that, uh, that this puppet, he's he's a bit of a beta male. Like, she's she is being very supportive to him in a literal and fi- figurative sense. He will literally <laughs> fall over if she doesn't uh, literally support him like yeah. she is. Um, but, you, you know, I mean, I, I... How's the eyebrows on him as well? The caterpillar eyebrows? It's almost a monobrow, actually. I mean, yeah. I, he looks actually... Now, the more I see, he looks actually quite a lot like David, David Bowie from uh, from <laughs> Labyrinth. You know, it's like, it's... Uh, there's, you know, there's, uh, there, there's a lot... He's got, you know... He's got gloves on his hands like Mickey Mouse. So, you know, there's obviously... Uh, got the you know, Michael Jackson gloves he's on. He's got the Michael Jackson gloves, you know. I mean, it's He's his, tucked up. He's in a suit. He's, 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 he looks pretty sharp, it's, actually. It's them on their wedding day. For, a, for, a, uh, for an inanimate object. I mean, she looks pretty happy, in fairness, you know. It's, if uh, you guys want to see this picture, you can uh, you can give it a Google. Uh, just type in, woman marries a rag doll. But you're probably wondering why we're talking about her again. Well, she is uh, allegedly... Caught her husband, Marcelo the Ragdoll, cheating on her with another woman. 
Uh, and she said, and I quote, I found out through a friend who told me she saw Marcelo entering a motel with another woman while I was hospitalized for three days and three nights with our son, Marcelino, who had a virus. So Marcelino is also a ragdoll. Spoiler alert. Um, she, she's filmed a live birth of, of her giving birth to this, uh, to the ragdoll 37 minutes. It took world record birth. Um, but she's later to go on and say, at first I thought my friend was lying, but then I started looking through Marcelo's phone and I saw conversations, which made me very sure that he was cheating. Well, these, uh, these South American men, dude, you know, they, they're, you know, they're virile people and, you know, his wife's away and, you know, he can't, he can't control himself, you know, and he's a good looking guy, you yeah. know, it's like, I mean, who wouldn't want to sleep with David Bowie from, uh, from Labyrinth, despite the, uh, you know, the, uh, the definite like fact that, you know, that was it Jennifer Gardner that was in that film, you know, there was, she was really young in that film, dude. There was some real, like very questionable undertones in that freaking film. I don't so. know what film you're talking about. What's Labyrinth. Oh, okay. Okay, this is maybe before your time, but yeah. It, it, anyway, it's like anyway, look up David Bowie from Labyrinth with the with the most epic monobrow in history, and you know which is you know eerily similar to our anemic friend Marcelo and his uh, and his friend. I mean, there's the thing is that guy's whiter than white there, man. Yeah. I mean, he's like there's there, there's questionable like white supremacy <laughs> like undertones in there, man. I mean, that guy's that guy's. That guy's like Aryan race, like you know, the, like the master race kind of. White the best hat. thing about um, the best thing about this is um, she said that her husband denied everything, and said that he still loves her, and then begged for forgiveness. And she then said, "The argument, the argument started to get ugly, and it scared our son who was crying. So I began to shout at him, Do you see what you've done?' I asked asked him." And he didn't respond. And it's like, yeah, of course he didn't respond. He's a fucking ragdoll. Fucking hell, I hope he didn't hit this, her, mate. This <laughs> Did he hit her? Fucking hell, yeah, mate. He could have. He's, he's bigger than her. Brazilian, Look, mate. He could have been doing some of your jiu-jitsu. And here's a photo of, here's a photo of their beautiful baby boy. Marcelino. Oh, look at uh, him. Look oh, at God. him, he's, he's mate. A, he's a, he's so uh, cute, I, uh, I, I seriously question this. He woman's. looks like Stewie from Family Guy. Have you seen the shape of his freaking head? Yeah, he's kids a, don't have heads shaped like that. No, it's he's like, he's a fucking he's an ugly little cunt. Let's say that much. Well, but I, I don't want to hurt his feelings, uh, Marcelino. It's personality that wins out in the end, my friend. Yeah, but, Marcelino. But, I'm not much to look at, but, mate. But but you um but you probably don't have much personality either, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't, think, uh, I, I don't think Marcelino's uh, fucking. <laughs> bit of a wordsmith i can't see him doing any comedy lately <laughs> i like it that he's got i like it they've got they must be brazilian because marcelo and marcelino mean marcelino means little marcelo oh does it yeah so it's like so so, so they've clearly thought and he clearly not he's not you know jesus christ this whole thing's the fucking <laughs> how crazy is this like the fact that this is made like worldwide news is is fucking epic well, yeah, I mean, I've got to admit, I, she has taken her psychosis to a whole new level of, uh, I'm not going to say believability, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, she's had an inanimate object cheat on her. That yeah. is impressive. Like, uh, you have never been that, uh, not many people are that bad a partner that an inanimate object will willingly and with sentient thought go and find another <laughs> partner. 
I want to know who her friend is. Who the hell is she hanging out? Not me. Yeah. I mean, some people like a docile husband, but that takes things to a whole new level of, uh, you know. Like. Absolutely. The story's got a few holes in it for my liking. How did Mar- how did Marcelo get to the uh, get to the hotel? And how how was he texting? Yeah. Well, that well that yeah. But dude, he well, of course how was he texting? That's obvious. He's using his freaking hands. But what I want to know is how did the uh, how did the mum find out that Marcelo was carrying her. His, the son and him because she said he took the son into the motel with this mysterious lady oh did it oh yeah, Jesus Christ like, yeah, he's like, a like, fucking diva he's a, okay. he's a fucking he's, he's a bad a stud. boy he's a Casanova these, these Brazilians <laughs> fucking loose units um, alright mate thank you for coming on been a. Uh, Are you going to come and? You said you like jujitsu. You should come and uh, do a session just so you get a. Um, I am scared, and I am. I need to get a cup. I need to get a cup. No, you to don't. You don't need a cup. No, you don't. No, you dude, because that's what they told me when I did uh, Muay Thai. Got kicked in the nuts. Okay, super all right. Hard. Yeah, but but like that's Muay Thai. Like. I'll, I'll I'll come with you. I'll come with you to the session. You can you can like we can hold hands. And well, skip. no, 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 well, no. We, we, I'm I'm not really. Uh, I'm not. I don't know what you're into, buddy. But uh, you know, like, we can sing kumbaya. But it's uh, it's um, I'll I'll go to the session and I'll I'll come with you. And because you're into it, you, you love the you love all that stuff. It'd just be really fun for you to just come and actually. Try it and do yeah. it seriously because the thing is the uh, come down to uh, Gracie Baja in Newcastle in the in the city and um, and and it's and there's a class there for you and it's 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 for people that the beginners classes are ideal for people that are just getting into it. It's yeah. like you know in in Muay Thai there's striking you can get hurt more easily. It's uh, yeah, if you want to do it, man, it'd yeah. be fun. It'd I be am fun. I am keen to do it. I'm just like yeah, I'm just being a bitch right now, but I am. Uh, I'm definitely keen to give it a crack, so we'll... Um, if you can get on stage, man, if you can get on stage and you can and you can tell and you can tell jokes, trust me, it's like... I can have sweaty dudes roll around you, on You me. can have sweaty dudes roll around and ugly, ugly sweaty, sweaty dudes, dudes. R- oh, well, roll I'll fit right in. You. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, me too, me too. But, uh, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, man. No, legend. I'll Love see it, you at the uh, open mic on Tuesday. I'll be there tomorrow, man. All right. Take care. Peace out, everyone. Smoke weed every day.